This evening, we come to the end of Advent, end of preparation, time of getting ready to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. And we now, we stand at the beginning of our Christmas season. The beautiful part about Christmas, in my eyes, is that in reality, it does not make sense. When we look at a nativity scene, for example, if we really think about it, it doesn't make sense, the things that are there. We come to, we come to celebrate the fact that God, the creator of all, the mighty God, the one who gave each one of us life, steps down into humankind, steps down and takes on our own nature, becomes a person as well, as a baby. It really doesn't make sense. I think as, I, as I've been reflecting throughout this year, throughout this Advent season especially, as we've been preparing and preparing and preparing for the coming of Jesus, for the coming of our Lord, it's more and more, in a way, ridiculous. In a way, it just it doesn't make sense. Logically, it doesn't make sense. Like, why do we come and celebrate the birth of a baby in a barn 2,000 years ago? Pope Benedict once said, from the moment of his birth, talking about Jesus, he belongs outside the realm of what is important and powerful in worldly terms. Yet it is this unimportant and powerless child that proves to be the truly powerful one, the one whom ultimately everything depends. A few years ago, um, Starbucks, whenever it was time for Christmas, they would always come out with their Christmas cup, right? They had decorations on it, usually they got like a snowman, something like that on it. A few years ago, they went like, with like this minimalistic kind of thing, where it was a red, a red cup with the green Starbucks logo on it, and that was it. And people lost their minds that Starbucks wasn't being Christmassy enough. They weren't saying Christmas loud enough. They weren't trying to be proud that it was Christmas season, that it was the holiday season, whatever term they use now. But people were losing their minds for about three days on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media or media outlet, people were upset that, no one, that Starbucks, of all people, were not going to be explicit that it was Christmas. I remember during the height of this, there was a priest that had posted a short video online. And his first line when he was talking about the Red Cup controversy, his first thing he said was, we're all, everybody's upset that Starbucks is not saying explicitly enough that it's Christmas. The first question he asked was, how well do we say that God became man? Like how big and how, how loudly and proudly do we live the fact that Jesus Christ came? 
that God stepped down from heaven and became a man. That he became that baby. That he be, the, the baby from 2,000 years ago. That he actually took on flesh, became a human being, had emotions, had friends, was betrayed, passed through the boundary of death, and showed us what our destiny is about. If we think about it, in the way the priest was saying, living explicitly the mystery of Christmas is kind of hard. It really is. It's not an easy thing to do. We have to be bold. We have to be proud of our heritage, of our background, of who we are as a Christian. And that's really hard to do if we don't believe that God has anything for us. If we believe that God is just kind of, he's kind of thrown the world into motion and stepped back. That's a really hard thing if we don't have a relationship with God. Because the reality is, is that by Jesus becoming man, by the mystery of the celebration that we have today, that we celebrate throughout the church, like by this very night, by this Christmas, God knows exactly what it's like to be downtrodden. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be hurt. It's kind of an amazing thing to think that the God, the one that created you and I, knows what you're going through. I think that's the beautiful part about the, the nativity, about the Christmas story, about Jesus Christ coming into the world. I think that's the beautiful part about it just not making sense. Let's think about it for a second. His first night on earth, right? The first night that Jesus spends on earth. He doesn't, he doesn't spend it like the God, right? If he's going to try and do something that makes sense, you would think, okay, he's going to like be powerful and rich and safe. So he could spend his first night in a castle, in a palace somewhere. Nope. He spends it in a barn. We say stable, it sounds a little bit better, but it's a barn. And if you've ever walked through a barn and taken one good whiff, you know, it's not the cleanest, not the best smelling, not the, not the most fitting place for a king, for God. Let's think. The first people that come and see this newborn child, Jesus Christ, are shepherds. Now, my family, we, we raise sheep. And I love my family. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to raise some sheep. You got to feed them. You kind of get them out of trouble. Just make sure that they're eating. It, it, it's not that hard to raise sheep. So you probably don't have to be the brightest bulb to raise sheep. And shepherds, they've been out working all day. So you know they stunk. 
So his first night, he spends in a barn instead of a palace. The first people that come and see him are stinking and stupid shepherds as opposed to some kind of major dignitaries or something like that. And then the first bed he has. I mean, if it's God, like today, he would have like had to get on Pottery Barn, you know, got Wi-Fi and it's overpriced, like some kind of crib that's going to be perfect. He had a manger. Manger is a fancy way to say a feeding trough. Throw some hay in it to make it look and feel a little bit better, a little bit more suitable for an infant. But that's what Jesus had. Now the reality is that God's, like, God's entrance into the world just doesn't make sense. And no one in the scriptures would have believed that this is how the Son of God was going to come. But there's a very big difference. There's a very big detail that all of those things have in common. The barn, the shepherds, the manger. There's a very big, one big thing that they all hold in common. And I think something that we can learn from. None of them were perfect. Absolutely, 100%, none of those things were perfect. But they were available. And I think we can learn something from that. God doesn't need perfect. He needs available. For each one of us. Like, God doesn't need you to be a saint walking on earth. He doesn't need to see somebody walking across the water on the bayou. Like, he doesn't need the perfect dad or the perfect mom or the perfect son or the perfect daughter. He simply needs space to work. He needs you to be available. We see it in the Christmas story. We see it in every nativity scene that looks way too beautiful to be real. That God's presence makes that stable beautiful. Makes that, that night, that night in that manger, a wonderful bed. Makes those shepherds pious, devoted, b- devoted people. See, God's presence changes us. And all he needs, first and foremost, is for us to be available. For us to open ourselves to him, for us to say, Lord, like, I I want you in my life. Like, I know I need you. I've been working, killing myself, trying trying to support my family, trying to do this for my mom who has cancer, trying to make, make amends to this person that I hurt. And in reality, we don't need to do. He doesn't need us to be perfect. Rather, he wants to carry us along, and he wants us to be available. Today, we celebrate the greatest of feasts, one of the greatest mysteries in our church, that God decided he would step down into our life, into humankind, and become man. Today, we commemorate him stepping down to each one of us, like stepping down and giving himself to each one of us through this Mass. The same way that the Lord entered the world 2,000 years ago in Christmas, with that impactful boom in a barn, 
in Israel with shepherds around in a feeding trough. That same booming presence of God that came into the world and changed everything is here tonight and wants to enter your life. Wants to enter your heart. God doesn't need a palace. He doesn't need the pottery barn crib. He doesn't need dignitaries to come and see him. He needs an open door. Give him the smallest of cracks. Tonight as we come to this Mass, as we come to the celebration, as a parish family, as a community of faith, as we come to receive him at this table, at this altar, very simply, very small prayer, but a, but a very sincere prayer. Give him the smallest of cracks in the door and let him blow it off the hinges. I pray and I hope that this Christmas season for you all and for your families is a blessed one, is a beautiful one, but let us all, let us all approach it with, this, with the understanding that God doesn't need perfect. He just needs us to be available.